The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It's 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here's your top five at five. Stocks looking to once again mount a comeback and put a stop to the week's steep selling. Futures are pointing us to a higher open. Shares of Facebook's parent company, Meta, helping to lift the overall markets following its quarterly results. But Meta warning its decade run of growth potentially coming to an end. It's a different story for Teladoc. Shares of the former stay-at-home darling cratering following a massive first quarter miss. Charges filed. The heads of the private investment firm at the center of last year's market sell-off formerly being indicted over charges of a massive manipulation scheme. And Twitter's would-be owner Elon Musk facing employee backlash after taking aim at one of the social media company's leaders. It's Thursday, April 28th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Good morning. I'm Courtney Reagan in this morning for Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us from wherever in the world you may be watching. Let's kick off the hour with a check on the markets and your money right now. Stock futures are pointing to a slightly higher open. The Dow Jones Industrial Average higher by almost 400 points. The Nasdaq higher by 330 points and the S&P 500 up by more than 76 points. Now, this, of course, does come after the Dow and the S&P were able to eke out slight gains in a very choppy trading session Wednesday. The Nasdaq ending flat after facing that big sell-off Tuesday. Those slight gains doing little, though, to erase this week's steep losses. The Dow down 1.5%, the S&P down 2%, and the Nasdaq down nearly 3%. Let's also give you a check on the bond market, see what's going on here with Treasury yields, Moving higher amid renewed economic growth worries. The 10-year yield right now at 2824, the five-year at 2819. Let's take a look at the oil market. WTI continuing to hold around that $100 per barrel mark. You can see it's actually getting closer to $103 a barrel at this moment, higher by three-quarters of a percent. And Brent crude is almost at $106, higher by six-tenths of a percent. We also want to give you a check on crypto. Bitcoin back below that $40,000 threshold, she tried to say, at 39683 at this point. Ether is higher by 3%. Bitcoin is higher by 2%, but again, below $40,000. Let's give you a check on some of your morning's big money movers. Meta, shares spiking following first quarter results, earnings per share topping estimates, but revenue coming in below expectations along with its forecast for the second quarter. Daily active users, which declined in the fourth quarter for the first time, bouncing back a bit and topping Wall Street's forecast. Meta also exceeding expectations for average revenue per user. Shares higher here in the early going pre-market by almost 18%. Let's go worldwide now. Emily Tan is standing by in Hong Kong with a look at the action in Asia overnight. And Rosanna Lockwood is in our London newsroom with the early trade in Europe. Emily, let's kick things off with you. 
Courtney, good morning. We had Asian markets mostly higher, uh, all gaining about 1% or more. Japanese markets rising as the Bank of Japan kept its ultra-loose monetary policy. The BOJ said it would purchase 10-year JGBs at a yield of a quarter percent every business day. The Nikkei closing up one and three quarters percent. The biggest boost was chip testing equipment maker Advantest, up more than 4%, and Toyota gaining as the yen pushed past 130, weakening to a 20-year low against the dollar. BOJ Governor Kuroda saying he believes that a weak yen is positive for the economy on the whole, although excessive moves in the forex market could have negative effects. Korean markets also closing higher with gains in cosmetics and construction stocks. Samsung Electronics underperformed despite posting a strong Q1 result. The currency weakened to a 25-month low against the greenback. And the Chinese and Hong Kong markets also stronger on the session. This after Premier Li Keqiang vowed to stabilize employment and revive a disrupted supply chain. That is a look at your Asian markets. Back to you. Thank you very much, Emily. Let's move on to the early trade in Europe. And what we're seeing right now, Rosanna Lockwood is in our London newsroom with more. Good morning. Good morning, Courtney. And yeah, despite uh, persistent gloomy economic indicators out there, and in fact an increasingly worsening energy crisis here in Europe with what's happening with Russian gas into Poland and Bulgaria, the markets are looking persistently, relentlessly positive today. Now, this is on an earnings story basis, mostly. The FTSE 100 up by around nine-tenths of a percent. We'll go into the banks here in the UK just shortly, but I want to show you the Cat Cajant in Paris, the DAX in Germany, moving into stunning lockstep this morning, both up 2% higher. Total Energy, one of those companies, propping up the Cat Cajant uh, this morning. It's all about earnings here, which is surprising. Let's take a look at those banks here in the UK. Standard Chartered, expecting annual income growth to slightly exceed its previously stated to 7% guidance. The British lender reporting a 5% rise in pre-tax underlying quarterly profit, saying it had a strong start to the year despite a volatile macro environment. Currently up those Stanchart shares 15 percent higher. They were higher in Hong Kong as well. Let's take a look at Barclays as well. That bank pausing. Now, this is an interesting story. Pausing a £1 billion share buyback program while it deals with the fallout from a trading error. This British lender revealing last month it had mistakenly exceeded its limits for the issuance of financial products in the US and is dealing with authorities. Courtney. That is an interesting wrinkle to that story, Rosanna. Thank you very much. Well, let's mm-hmm. get a check on your morning's top stories. Silvana Hanau is here with those. Good morning, Silvana. Hey, Courtney. Good morning. Well, Archegos Capital Management's founder is free on bail after being formally charged yesterday over accusations of a massive stock market fraud that led to his firm's meltdown. Bill Wang, along with Archegos CFO Patrick Halligan, being charged by federal prosecutors with racketeering conspiracy, securities fraud, and wire fraud. Both men have pleaded not guilty. Archegos collapsed last year when it was caught short on highly leveraged trades, hitting Wall Street and sparking a fire sale in certain stocks, leading to billions in losses. Elon Musk scoring a legal victory in the lawsuit over Tesla's $2.6 billion purchase of Solar City. Tesla shareholders were seeking up to $13 billion in damages, claiming the EV maker's purchase of SolarCity amounted to a bailout being pushed through by Musk, who sat on both company boards at the time. But a judge ruling that Musk did not unjustly enrich himself when he made the case for the deal. And Samsung reporting strong first quarter results with profits up more than 50 percent from a year ago. The company attributing the strong figures to sales of its chips and its newest lineup of smartphones. But Samsung is warning that ongoing headaches over supply chain issues 
would persist, leading to component shortages for its devices, Courtney. Oh, that pesky supply chain. Exactly. We keep talking about it. Savannah, thank you very much. You got it. Well, now to the ongoing COVID outbreak in China. Officials in Beijing stepping up efforts to curb the spread of the virus as fears grow over a scenario similar to Shanghai. Residents in the capital city facing stricter control measures and increased testing efforts. Yunus Yun joins us from Beijing with the very latest. Yunus, what's it like there amid these increasing measures? Does it feel different, I hope, than what it felt like in 2020? Um, It's quite stressful. Actually, uh, uh, Courtney, um, just because there's so much uncertainty as to whether or not Beijing is going to go into a lockdown and then for how long. And uh, so far, the signs are a little bit mixed. So uh, Beijing has tightened its covid controls. So, for example, in buildings, office buildings like the one behind me, um, as of today, we now have to prove our travel history for the past 14 days through our phones uh, to show whether or not we've been to risky areas within the city or anywhere else. And also we have to show them a negative COVID test that um, that has been done within the past 48 hours. Um, the city has also moved most of its schools online and has shut uh, some public places, as including uh, tourist spots. Now, the city is currently holding a press briefing, so we have some more precise numbers about the results from the mass COVID testing round, the first one that we had. million people have been tested, and of those, they have found that there are 53 symptomatic cases and three asymptomatic cases. Now, the numbers, Courtney, look small from a global context, but what we're watching here is the increase in the numbers, and in fact, they have been increasing. Wow, that is fascinating. 53 of some 19 million, but I guess to your point, it's the trajectory that is important. What steps, Eunice, is the government taking to help offset some of the impact of these lockdowns? Well, the premier um, announced that the government is going to um, give some handouts to those who have lost their work um, amid these lockdowns. So a lot of migrant workers, people who work in factories, who move back and forth, who take trucking jobs, etc. A lot of people have been losing their jobs or not wanting to do those jobs anymore. So the government said that they're going to give out some subsidies. They also said that they're going to look for ways to try to stabilize the growth and the job situation at the tech companies. A lot of internet firms in particular have been firing or or letting go of a lot of people because of the um, regulations, but also uh, because of the lockdowns. Mm -hmm. And then finally, the the massive talker here has been that President Xi announced an infrastructure week uh, or a big infrastructure push um, that some have calculated to be 13 percent of 2022's GDP. The government said they're going to be putting a lot of money towards um, ports, upgrading airports, roads, Internet, Healthcare, and a lot of this is going to be financed through either the local or national government. So a lot of money uh, being uh, put towards trying to stabilize the impact of the lockdown as opposed to lifting the uh, COVID, zero COVID strategy or, or changing it in any meaningful way. Hmm. A lot going on, a lot of moving parts. Eunice, thank you very much for bringing us that very important story and keep yourself safe amid those stressful conditions. Well, when we come back, more of your morning's big money movers, including shares of a biofirm company taking a hit over a multi-billion dollar tax bill. 
Plus, the latest on Europe's energy crisis, as some in the region appear ready to cave to Vladimir Putin's demands. Plus, Pippa Stevens lays out the one fuel source seeing a spike in demand amid gas shortage concerns. And later, the consumer discretionary sector taking it on the chin, down more than 20% from its recent highs. We dive into the factors fueling that decline. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories of the morning. First up, Ford. The automaker reporting a $3 billion loss in the first quarter hit by its investment in Rivian. Adjusted earnings beat forecasts, and Ford expects to hit its full-year profit target. But revenue missed as the global chip shortage limited the supply of pickups and SUVs in North America. CEO Jim Farley addressing that with Jim Cramer on Mad Money last night. I made great progress on launches. You know, we launched on time. That's great for Lightning. Uh, we launched the E-Transit on time. That's great. We still have more work to do on warranty costs. It's very expensive. And the second thing is we got to get past the chip issue. We had a couple of really bad commodities that held up our most profitable units. And we think that's an area where we have upside in the second quarter, second half. Stock two is PayPal. First quarter earnings were in line with estimates and revenue came in just above forecast. PayPal seeing a 9% increase in active users driven mostly by Venmo. Shares are higher despite the company cutting its profit outlook for the year as payment volume could take a hit from rising inflation and the war in Ukraine. Shares higher by about 3%. And finally, Amgen, the drug maker, reporting better than expected first quarter results. But the stock is falling as the company says the IRS is seeking $5 billion in back taxes. It's related to Amgen's accounting for profits from 2013 to 2015 between the U.S. and Puerto Rico, where it has most of its manufacturing operation shares lower by about 6%. Well, back to the broader markets, looking to once again mount a comeback amid the latest heavy selling this week. Futures right now are indicated higher. Dow Jones Industrial Average indicated higher by 380 points. S&P higher by 72 and the Nasdaq higher by 300 points. That's good for a little bit more than 2% gain, which if it holds could erase much of this week's losses. But we all know there's a long way to go until that closing bell sounds at 4 p.m. today. The three major indices are in an uphill battle to try to close out the week with the win. Overall, the Dow now for the week down between one and a half percent and three percent lower for the Nasdaq. Now, for more, let's bring in Matt Orton. He's chief market strategist at Carillon Tower Advisors. Matt, thanks so much for being here with us. You know, when you look at the broad earnings picture, we've actually seen a lot of pretty good reports from a number of companies 
Yet it seems like some of the bad ones, Netflix's top of mind, seems to just override sentiment about what's going on, perhaps at a company-by-company picture. And then, of course, you've got all of these macroeconomic headwinds that are really just dragging down sentiment. Can anything help bring the market a little bit higher? How can we focus the market back on what's going on at the corporate level? Hey, good morning, Courtney. Great to be here. And you're absolutely right. Sentiment, I would say, is apocalyptically bad, at least coming into this week it was. And I think a big part of that was some of those negative earnings releases that that you mentioned. They unfortunately started off the earnings season and it just fed into some of the negative investor sentiment that was already out there heading into this week. But on the flip side, earnings, like you mentioned, have been very positive. I think that's missing from the narrative, and we need to flip that a little bit because, by and large, earnings have been good. And what I point out to our clients is that it's not just earnings that have been beating, but it's the corporate profit margin. Net profit margins for companies within the S&P 500 is coming in better than expected. I think right now we're at about 12.3%. And so it's showing that companies, by and large, are navigating the inflationary pressures well, their consumers are doing well, and that's something that we need to to be optimistic about. So there's definitely opportunities in the market. And I I hear your point, and I can understand the numbers when you really dig into the details and you're seeing some good profitability from companies, but does it really matter to your clients if at the end of the day their portfolios just keep moving lower and lower? I mean, as an investor, What are we supposed to be doing right now when we get information that should seemingly be good, yet stocks just move lower and lower? I think that that's exactly what I've been doing over the past, call it month. We've been out seeing clients. You know, we have institutional pensions all the way to financial advisors. And the main message that that I've been giving is is you, you came into this year with a plan. We came into this year expecting to have elevated volatility. And that tactical asset allocation was going to be absolutely critical. And just because the overall stock market is more volatile, there's the market of stocks, actual individual stocks are presenting some really good opportunities. So so underneath the surface, we've seen a lot of good stories and there are companies that have been bucking the trend and doing well. And some of the areas that I preferred, including high quality, information technology. That's been holding up better on a relative basis, certainly not great. And I think there's definitely room for improvement given the earnings we've had, but also healthcare. Healthcare is an area that I have really favored over the past four or five months, uh, particularly because of the level of innovation and just the natural growth that's embedded into that sector. And it's much more than just vaccine makers and hospitals. There's a tremendous amount of opportunity beneath the surface with strong growth and chronic diseases of our population that's presenting really good earnings and really good margins for a number of companies. Okay, so we're going to keep our eye on healthcare and some of those information technology names, though, of course, as you point out, can be a mixed bag when you look at the individual movers in some of those sectors. Matt Orton, thank you very much for joining us. Well, still on deck, Carvana's potentially getting a cash lifeline from private equity. Just how much the former market darling may be getting to help navigate its ongoing troubles. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. 
Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Turning now to Europe's energy crisis, some of Europe's largest energy companies are reportedly preparing to use a new payment system for Russian gas demanded by Vladimir Putin. According to the Financial Times, gas distributors in Germany, Austria, Hungary and Slovakia are planning to open ruble accounts in Switzerland. Now, this after the European Commission president warned companies not to bend to Russia's demands amid the fight over gas coal prices have been surging despite the push to phase out the fossil fuel. Pippa Stevens is here with a look at some of the stocks most impacted by that spike. Hi, Pippa. Hey, Courtney. Good morning. Well, coal prices hitting the highest on record as Russia's war in Ukraine upends global energy markets and sends power prices surging. The EU depends on Russia for 70 percent of its thermal coal, which is used for electricity. And with growing calls to move away from Russian energy, utilities are scrambling to secure supplies. The U.S. could make up some of that shortfall. Illinois Basin coal is at an all-time high, with central Appalachia coal hitting the highest since 2008, according to data from S&P Global Market Intelligence. Now, these two types are seeing the largest price increase since they have access to international markets. And coal stocks are getting a boost. In a week where the broader market's down, names like Console Energy, Peabody and Alliance are sharply higher. Arch Resources, though, the big winner, up 30 percent this week after Tuesday's earnings. The company posted its highest revenue since emerging from bankruptcy in 2016. Arch also announced a special dividend of $7.86 per share, bringing its total payout, Courtney, to $8.11 per share. Pippa, this is kind of surprising in a way because many thought that coal was on the way out. I mean, is this resurgence, do you think, temporary? Are, are prices expected to remain elevated? A lot of calls here for coal, which is the dirtiest fossil fuel to be phased out. And uh, Russia's war is just the latest factor in this price surge, which actually started last year. Emerging from the pandemic, we've seen demand just skyrocket as businesses, you know, economies reopen. And a confluence of factors meant that Europe's wind generation was also down. So there's been a huge increase in coal usage. And last year, actually, the International Energy Agency said that coal use was up 9 percent compared to 2020's levels. So there's a little bit of a disconnect here between all these calls for coal to be phased out and then the realities, which is that we need to have power here and now. Absolutely. There's always sort of this confluence of factors, it seems, when we're talking about energy, about what we really want and what reality is really playing out to be. I mean, what does this mean then overall for clean energy goals if, if you have this increased usage in coal, which is so dirty, as you point out? It really speaks to kind of trying to balance here the short-term and the long-term strategy. And, of course, Russia's war has shown a light on energy security and energy independence. And in the here and now, you know, it's very unpopular to prioritize environmental goals versus keeping the lights on, if that's an option, particularly for politicians. You know, nobody wants to implement power cuts. And so we're seeing coal, we're seeing that gas, we're seeing oil. All of these fossil fuel prices are rising. 
And what usually happens is that they're sensitive. So if gas prices were higher, you know, people would switch to coal in order to save some money. But with all of them high, we're just seeing these inflationary pressures rise across the board. And then on the environmental side, there are a lot of calls for people saying, you know, we can't just forget the long term goal and have a huge amount of, you know, new coal, gas and oil capacity come online here. But then also from the producer perspective, they're saying we're not sure prices will stay this high. So uh, a lot of unknown factors here, Courtney. Absolutely. Where we want to be and where we are, two very different places right now. Pippa Stevens, thank you very much. Well, still on deck, the big week for big tech earnings that rolls on as the sector faces continued pressure over valuation questions. What Bush's Joel Kaluna lays out whether the sell-off may be over for tech. And this Saturday, a CNBC.com exclusive Berkshire Hathaway's annual shareholder meeting. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger will answer shareholder questions for five hours in an event that will be live streamed only on CNBC.com. The day's events kick off at 9.45 a.m. Eastern Time, cnbc.com backslash Buffett. We'll be right back. Markets once again looking to mount a comeback and ship away at this week's steep losses. Futures are solidly higher. Shares of Meta providing a bit of that boost following its latest results. What Bush's Joel Kaluna dives into the numbers and whether the tech sector's worst days may be in the rear view. And Elon Musk angering Twitter employees even before taking over the company, taking aim at one company insider. It's Thursday, April 28th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back. I am Courtney Reagan in this morning for Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us wherever you might be watching. It is right around 5.30 a.m. at least here on the East Coast. Here's how the markets and your money look right now ahead of that opening bell. The Dow Jones Industrial Average futures are indicating a higher open to the tune of 365 points. The Nasdaq higher by more than 300 and the S&P 500 poised to open higher by more than 71. And this comes after the Dow and the S&P were able to eke out Slight gains and a very choppy trading session yesterday. Let's get a check on some of your morning's top stories. Silvana now is back with those. Hi, Silvana. Hey, Courtney. Well, Elon Musk reportedly facing backlash from Twitter employees over his online criticisms of one of the company's executives. Musk tweeting Wednesday an image questioning the political bias of Twitter's top lawyer, Vijaya Gad, leading to some of his followers posting vulgar messages in response. According to the Wall Street Journal, Twitter employees asked in internal message discussions whether that move breached the terms of his deal to buy the company. The journal saying the employees also questioned the silence of former CEO and co-founder Jack Dorsey, who relied on GAD to navigate issues around content moderation. Apollo Global Management is giving Carvana a financial lifeline amid its ongoing struggles. The private equity group agreeing to buy $1.6 billion worth of bonds the online used car dealer was issuing this week. Carvana struggling to attract investors following a disappointing first quarter earnings report and stock sell-off. And Ford announcing it is cutting 580 salaried employees and agency workers in the U.S., The move, coming on the heels of its quarterly results, is a part of the company's turnaround plan. The cuts largely coming in engineering as Ford makes a pivot to electric vehicles. And Ford CFO John Lawler will be on Squawk Box in a first on CNBC interview at 7.30 a.m. Eastern. Courtney, one to watch. Thank you very much, Savannah. We will indeed be watching that one. Let's turn back to the markets if we can. And tech struggling to sustain any gains in recent days. Just take a look at the Nasdaq over the past week and a pretty wild ride. Last Thursday, down 2%. Friday, down another 2.5%. Monday, a 1.3% gain 
Tuesday, a nearly 4% loss in its worst single session since September of 2020, by the way. Yesterday, failing to hold on to some early gains for a slightly lower close, not helping things much are the FANG stocks, all down sharply from their most recent highs. Netflix, the big laggard, off 73% from its most recent high. Alphabet and Amazon down around 25%. And Meta, the company formerly known as Facebook, off nearly 55% from its most recent high. But the winds of change could be in the air for Meta at the open today, with the stock sharply higher in the pre-market. The company posting mixed results for its most recent quarter. Earnings topping estimates with sales coming up just short. Key user metrics also impressed, though its outlook left something to be desired, with Meta possibly looking at its first revenue decline since going public. Shares higher by 17%, though. Joining me now, Wedbush Securities Managing Director and Head of Technology and Media Trading, Joel Kaluna. Joel, thanks so much for joining us here today. It has been a very wild ride for the tech sector, to say the least. We just sort of went through some of the high-level details, at least, We are indicated for a higher open here on the NASDAQ today, which could at least help chip away for some of the week's losses. What do you make about what's going on in general overall at tech? We talked earlier in the show about this overhang from Netflix. We just talked about it down more than 73% from its recent high. But then you've got this big pop from Meta, even though results were kind of mixed. What should we be expecting in general from the tech sector as the markets continue to be so choppy? Hey, good morning. Thanks for thanks for ha- ha- having me on this morning. I mean, yeah, I mean, you kind of nailed on. I mean, really, the tech tech is all over the place, and it, it is nice logging on in the morning and seeing you know the queues up over you know 220 basis points to start the day. But you got to put things in perspective. You know, this is kind of where we were just 48 hours ago. Um, definitely, the earnings last night are are a constructive place to start. You know, Qualcomm was very strong within the chip space, and then you go down and you look at you know Meta, you know, PayPal, uh, Pinterest as well. Hopefully, it suggests that the tech bar has been set low enough at this stage of where we are that companies can easily step over it. And I, I think tonight will be another big test with Apple, Amazon, Roku as well. But you know, the wild ride and, and the volatility over the past kind of you know really since you know late last Q4 when Powell and the Fed did a shift, it's just there are just pockets of tech that are still pretty uninvestable. Um, and I think you still want to avoid those. Look at Teladoc last night. You know, last I saw, you know, stock was down 37 percent. So these companies that relied so heavily on the covid fueled, uh, you know, boom, I think they're just completely toxic. And, and no shocker, Kathy Woods, the number one holder of Teladoc, um, you know, you touched on Netflix. Streaming is another area which which investors just don't want to touch uh, for multiple reasons. Digital digital advertising has been a tough spot. Um, we know the consumer is struggling and, and that is going to impact ad budgets probably in the coming quarters. So. Guys are just staying nimble. Uh, Positioning has been relatively light. I think hedge fund gross and net leverage is right around 52-week lows. And that's kind of been the story over the past several, really in April. Volumes have been somewhat depressed as guys just kind of been doing a lot of sideline watching, uh, given all the volatility. You mentioned some names names might be uninvestable. When you look at shares of Meta, what do you make of this action? I mean, was it to your point that expectations were just so low after reporting the previous quarter that was just awful, frankly, that the bar was so low that that's why we're seeing this pop today? Because really, this quarter wasn't also it wasn't so great across the board generally. Yeah. And, and I've never been a big fan of Zuckerberg, so I'll kind of admit that at the top. But I mean, there's a few things with, with, with Facebook, at least. Yeah, we did, we, see, we did see a rebound in users, which is a, a much relief that you know people are not completely fleeing their platforms. Uh, but then also, 
you know, a big headwind to the, the overall stock and the story has been Zuckerberg's obsession with the metaverse. And, you know, obviously they're spending $10 billion a year to kind of build out that universe. Um, you know, they did re re reduce their, uh, their their expense guidance last night. Um, the metaverse unit was, was you know, lost money, but it lost less than feared. Mm -hmm. I think they lost around $2.8, $2.9 billion. Expectations were for around $3.5 billion in, in terms of losses there. So there's a few positive things there to, to, to point out. But again, I mean, these stocks are so bombed out. I think I think Facebook was down 53% off its highs coming into the print. Similar stories with with, with uh, Pinterest and PayPal. I think those stocks were down, you know, north of 70% off their highs. So, yeah, I don't know if I'd be jumping in headfirst in in a, in a, in, a, in the kind of Facebook here. I still think Microsoft is, is a better name. Apple still remains one of the, the the last safe havens of the market. So, I still think when you stick with high quality stories that are putting up durable growth, and you kind of can more rely on on their consistency. You kind of gave a, a little tease to this next question here. Before we let you go, we have to hit on Apple, uh, obviously going to report tonight, as well as Amazon. Both down, though, about 10 percent so far this month. You mentioned Qualcomm's good results, which does potentially bode well for Apple. In general, though, can you give us some headlines? What should we be watching for Apple and Amazon? Yeah, I think, I think especially with, with Apple, I mean, we know it's there, there's a lot of money parked in that name. It's been it's been like I said earlier, it's been a safe haven, one of the most probably defensive stocks on the planet. Um, I think people want to hear, you know, really how they continue to navigate the supply chain. We know there's still been a lot of headaches, especially with, co you know, the, the Chinese lockdowns, uh, depending on where their factories are in, in which region is being impacted most. But, you know, people are focused on the supply chain, uh, iPhone demand. Um, but other than that, no one's expecting really any two major surprises. And that's been one of the best part about, you know, the Apple story over the past you know year or so. There just really haven't been any negative surprises coming out of left field that have taken you know the investment community you know all by surprise and and also Apple really wasn't one of those companies that benefited massively from COVID um, and so they've kind of been able to go under the radar kind of just do what they do and uh, and I think that's been paying off and obviously cash you know returning cash to shareholders uh, remains a big part of the story as well so they'll probably get a boost to the dividend and, and buyback as well and and turning to Amazon sentiments much more negative here. Um, you know, you could see a Facebook type of reaction here. I mean, Amazon hasn't made money for, for investors for a long, long time, probably since the summer of, of 2020. It's been dead money. Um, and I think the recent concerns are focused on uh, really margins and inflationary pressures impacting their business. And I think, you know, yet UPS, UPS talking down residential shipments earlier in the week. Uh, you know, Amazon recently announced some surcharges, which, again, shows that they're, they're dealing with some pretty you know, difficult issues. But I guess the, the, the key to the story will be how does their cloud unit, AWS, come in? And if that can kind of deliver and, and, and beat buy-side expectations, the stock probably works in the near term because, uh, again, the focus on the cloud is part of the story. And then, again, it's a very low bar for them to kind of step over. Big companies here ahead. I'm sure you have a big day as well. Thanks for starting it with us. Joel Kaluna. All right, take care. Thank you. Thanks. Well, coming up, more of your big money movers, including what's fueling the staggering sell-off in shares of Teladoc. But first, as we had to break, some of your top trending stories. McDonald's throwing cold water on initial reports that it plans to keep its Beyond Meat McPlant burger as a permanent menu item. Shares of Beyond soaring initially on that news before pulling back. McDonald's saying the sandwich does remain, quote, a core menu item. No shortage of Elon Musk headlines today. Musk taking to, what else? Twitter, jokingly discussing a new potential takeover target. Coca-Cola, Musk saying, he would do so to put the cocaine back into it, referring to the drink's original. 
1886 recipe. And for fans of Microsoft's Windows, a new podcast about the system's infamous startup sound, the two-part series on the 20,000 Hertz podcast, diving into the history of the jingle, taking to musicians like Brian Eno and the Seattle Symphony. Worldwide Exchange, be right back. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories in the morning. Stock one, Qualcomm. It reported record revenue in the first quarter as it gained market share on rivals and raised its sales guidance for this quarter. Qualcomm's chips are in the majority of Samsung's newest smartphone, the Galaxy S22. The company also says its auto and Internet of Things businesses are growing rapidly, shares higher by 8%. Qualcomm's CEO will be on Squawk on the Street today in an exclusive interview at 10 a.m., Eastern Time. Stock two is Pinterest. First quarter results beating forecasts as the platform benefited from higher ad spending by businesses. While total monthly active users fell 9%, Pinterest posted a rise in mobile users who account for most of its revenue. Shares higher there by 6%. And stock three is Teladoc. Shares are tanking after the company posted a wider first quarter loss hit by a more than $6 billion impairment charge. Teladoc, one of the pandemic winners, is also cutting its earnings and revenue guidance for the year. Shares down almost 40 percent in the pre-market. Well, the consumer discretionary sector is feeling the heat, down more than 20 percent from its 52-week high back in November as travel, restaurant and retail stocks are dropping. Now, a few factors are driving the declines. The market expects the Fed to hike rates several times to tackle inflation, which could result in consumers spending less on things such as clothing, cars, vacations. Rising wages and commodity prices are also eating into the margins of companies that depend on discretionary spending. Let's bring in Stacey Woodlitt. She's president of SW Retail Advisors. Stacey, it's so great here to have you this morning. It's so funny. I think Steve Leisman and I often talk back and forth about the state of the consumer, especially lately. Is the consumer strong? Is the consumer not strong? It seems to depend on who you're talking to. Yes, inflation is high, but consumers are traveling again. You're hearing great things from the airlines. But then again, maybe not so great things if you're Gap. What are you making in general, just to start macro, of the state of the U.S. consumer? I think that's really accurate, Courtney, which is like not everybody's treated equal here. And what we've seen in retail is like the retail circle of life. We went through this phase where everything was full price and inventories were really tight. And all of a sudden we come out the other end and now we're starting to see discounting again, just at the time where inflation is coming way up. We're talking about the Fed. We're talking about most of these brands are global companies exposed 20 percent to China. So you know, these these retailers are really feeling it from every direction. And, you know, uh, particularly from the cost side, now we run into that discount cycle that Gap has been talking about and that we're starting to see really across the board in apparel. The consumer is out there buying, but they're paying more. Chipotle is charging you 10 percent more. Unilever is charging you 8 percent more. So there's there's just less to go around. And before we get sort of into some individual names, I guess what strikes me is the fact that once consumers get used to paying a higher level of pricing, even if things shake out on a macro level, if the supply chain goes back to normal and we start to see inflation generally start to come down, are retailers going to lower prices again? I think the answer is no. And how many times have we seen this before, Courtney? We talked about this years ago when we had tariffs on, on Chinese goods and prices came up and prices are sticky. 
Once retailers raise prices, they tend not to bring them down. But similarly, once labor prices go up, right, Target, Walmart, everybody's paying $15, $17 an hour, that is also sticky. So the cost structure is going up and average tickets are going up permanently. Again, the issue we run into is after we've had this amazing two years of full price selling, when no inventories normalize, we are seeing the discount creep come back in. Okay, so let's break this down for our viewers and help make this actionable because not everyone is treated equally right now. And we're hearing different things from different companies. Just about 12 hours ago, Mattel said the supply chain is actually helping them. Maybe the company is just executing better or, or better managed. But either way, let's go through some names. Who are winners right now in this environment, putting everything into account? And who are names that just aren't doing so well that maybe investors should shy away from? Well, I think, you know, we've heard, we heard from Lululemon and they're expanding categories. So you have to look at brands that, that have a runway to go into different categories and to take share from others. You're looking at Walmart who's saying, hey, we're going to give you discounts on gas. So we're going to gain market share during this time. We're going to use inflation to our advantage. You look at a Target who has renovated their stores, who's fulfilling most of their goods from stores. So, so that's helping margins. And they're the new department store. They're the modern department store. Skechers yesterday had great numbers because everybody wants to be comfortable. That's a permanent shift in, in how we're dressing. You know, on the other side, the apparel guys, you know, we cover about 80 companies and we look at promotional data year over year. And you're seeing it across the board. Those discounts creep back in, whether that's Abercrombie or Victoria's Secret. Clearly, we heard from Gap. No surprise there. Their discounts have been up for about four months year over year. So we have to be discerning when we're looking at names in the retail sector, in the consumer sector. And we pointed out some sort of stats here in the beginning, but I would like to point out that some of the worst performers within consumer discretionary are sort of all over the map. You're looking at Etsy, Tesla, Amazon, Caesar, Starbucks, and Wynn, and those aren't really any of the names that we talked about. So I think it just does pay attention. It, it pays off to do your homework in some of these. And things. China exposure, of course. Anybody who's got that 20, 25 percent, you know, in those some of those names, there's real concern there. What happens to that market? And of course, it's the highest margin market. So double whammy there for so many brands. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nike has uh, has actually had some trouble there, even though it is one of your likes. Stacey Widlitz, thank you so much. Good to see you, Brittany. Well, on deck, a solid rebound taking shape. Pivotal Advisors, Tiffany McGee lays out the trading day ahead and the one company that's pretty high on her radar. And a reminder, Brian Sullivan hosting a big CNBC Pro Strategy session this Monday. It's at 1130 a.m. Eastern, live from the Milken Global Conference in Los Angeles. To register, go to cnbc.com slash pro slash talks. We'll be right back. A busy day ahead for investors at 8.30 a.m. Eastern, a double whammy of economic data with the weekly jobless claims and the first look at first quarter GDP. And today will be the busiest day of earnings this week. Tech earnings roll on with Apple, Amazon, and Intel all out after the bell. We'll also get results from Caterpillar, this network's parent company Comcast, and McDonald's. And that's just to name a few. Let's get more on the trading day ahead and bring in Tiffany McGee. She's Pivotal Advisor CEO and CIO and a CNBC contributor. Tiffany, thanks so much for joining us here today. What a week that we've had. It's only Thursday morning. We're just getting going here on this morning. But so far, things are looking positive for the major indices. Do you think that we can hold on? Was it what we heard from some of these tech names after the bell that are giving us a little bit of hope going into today's session? 
Good morning, Courtney. It's good to see you again. Uh, so listen, I think kind of going into this year, we've, the investor, all investors have really had this really um, uh, like interesting year, very, very volatile year. And I think that tech could be a really good glimmer of hope, especially today with Amazon and Apple reporting. And so um, when I think about volatility and really, it's just really hard to be an investor right now. And I think it's really important also to manage uh, expectations around volatility. And so there's that saying that volatility kind of takes the elevator up, but then takes the stairs down, that it's really easy to get into these high levels of volatility, but then it, it's really kind of, uh, it, it takes longer for that volatility to kind of settle down. So when you look at the VIX, just last week on Wednesday, it was at 20. Coming into Tuesday of this week, it was at 33 and a half. Um, and then, of course, we've had our first 10% correction, and bonds really aren't offering a safe haven. But getting back to tech, I am looking at Apple and Amazon today, and I think that they could really provide a glimmer of hope um, if they're if they're able to have solid returns, but then also that's coupled with the Fed meeting next week and the Fed not doing anything really uh, unexpected, right? They've got to play their part. And then also looking ahead to May and the next inflation reading, if we're able to kind of hit those three um, and with, with some level of success, I think that we see a bump in the market. Amazon and Apple, as we pointed out in an earlier segment, have not been strong performers, but perhaps have held up better than some of the other big tech names. Is there something in particular that you think investors need to hear from these companies to help us have more confidence in what their roadmap looks like going forward? So, you know, it's that's really hard to say because we've seen some of these tech names. Really, when you look at how earnings season has played out, um, you know, we've seen you know, like 80%, sorry, about like one-third of the S&P 500 already reporting. 80% of those names have really kind of surprised to the upside, but we're really not seeing, with the exception of a, of a few high-profile names, but we really aren't seeing the market rewarding those names who have really done well. Um, but all I think I really need them to do is just... Um, they don't even have to knock it out of the park. I think all they really need to do is just do well and show some incremental progress. But again, it's not just it's not just these two names. It really is a combination of that and what the Fed is going to do. Um, and then, of course, this, that that inflation reading. So um, I'm just looking for incremental progress with Apple and Amazon. But I think Apple is going to be steady. It's, it, it typically is always steady. Your earlier um, a guest was talking about Again, Apple, um, we're not really expecting them to knock it out of the park, right? right. Um, but all we really need to do is just see some progress. But it is a combination of things. We only have a couple seconds left here, Tiffany. Can I get an actionable name for our investors here today? What are you watching? Mosaic. So what is working? When you think about what is working, what is not working, everybody knows that we have stresses on supply chain, especially around food. Mosaic is a company that uh, is in the fertilizer business. They, they, uh, they, they source um, uh, material that makes fertilizer. And so the company is up about 65% uh, year to date, which is doing extremely, extremely right. well compared to some of the names that we've been talking about and the rest of the market. Absolutely. We're going to watch Mosaic. Thank you very much, Tiffany McGee, for joining us here today at Pivotal Advisors. Well, before we wrap it up, be sure to tune in to Worldwide Exchange tomorrow for Brian Sullivan's conversation with Macon Delery, former U.S. Assistant Attorney General of the Antitrust Division, talking some of the key corporate stories in the news, including Elon Musk's Twitter takeover, Disney's fight with Florida lawmakers, and more. That's tomorrow only on WEX. That does it for us on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box is next. 
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.